Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I'm so excited to have you back today. And in episode 117, we are going to talk about how to cope with a crazy schedule this school year. I have seen every single possible scenario of a teaching schedule you could think of. We've been talking a lot about this in my Harmony membership, and the members um, have been talking about how they may find out what their schedule is going to look like, and then the next week it changes. Or they've been told that they're going to find out what their schedule is, and a week goes by and they still don't know. Or even they have found out that they're teaching multiple ways even at one time, like for example, simulcast teaching at the same time as teaching in person, or their schedule every single day looks differently. And it's just looking at it on a piece of paper looks confusing and overwhelming. And this can definitely cause music teachers to stay stuck. And you may be able to relate to one of those scenarios I just mentioned, or your situation might look a little bit different. And that's the first thing I want to say is know that your schedule is not going to look the same as anyone else's. Even if you talk to a teacher and you both find out you are both virtually teaching, when you talk to this teacher, they will not see their students the same amount of time on the same days. They won't even be using the same technology and they may have all their students showing up to their call where you're maybe seeing only one or two kiddos at a time. Every teaching situation is going to look different. If you've listened to any of my podcast episodes, and if you have not, that's okay, but welcome. (laughs) But I have talked before about not comparing yourself to other teachers. So when we're talking about schedules, I wanted I want to bring that conversation back up because I feel like when we're having the conversation about comparisonitis and not comparing yourself and not feeling overwhelmed because of imposter syndrome and all of those things, I think it's so important to keep that in mind right now too because what happens is when you start comparing your teaching schedule to someone else's, it keeps you stuck for a couple different reasons. One is you may start having feelings of, well, that's not fair. I wish my teaching situation looked like that. Or why do they have a more supportive administration than I do? Or how come their schedule seems to be just coasting along and it's way easier for them because they haven't been asked to record 20 lessons a week and I have. So here's the thing. You know, in a regular school year, I'm using your quotes there because is there ever a regular school year? Who knows? But in a typical school year where you are showing up and teaching in person, 
you know good and well as you talk to other music teachers in different meetings and professional development opportunities and things like that, that your schedules all look different during a regular school day as well. So you have to let go of expectations of I wish it was or if I could change it, it would look like this or why did my principal not do it this way or that's not fair. And we're going to, you know, we've talked about this in a couple different episodes lately as well is you can't focus on the past and you can't, well, this is the present situation, but you can't focus on what you cannot change. All you can focus on is moving forward the best way you know how and just putting forward motion in place and taking one step at a time and giving it one day at a time. And you have to just keep moving. Even if you feel like you're barely gaining traction and you feel like your feet are stuck in the mud and you can barely move, you have to just keep moving forward. So one of the ways to do that is by not comparing your schedule. And we're going to get into all kinds of things today about how to move forward with the schedule you have. But don't worry about what others are doing so much, what their schedules look like, because that'll keep you stuck. Because then you're going to get it, your mindset will start being affected. And you're going to get into the, well, that's not fair. I wish how come they get that and all those thoughts that you know go through your head on a normal basis. And so the first thing you obviously need to do is find out your schedule. And maybe you don't you've asked kindly <laughs> to whoever is in charge of making the schedule at your particular school. Maybe you have been told it's coming, like I said earlier, maybe you have found out your schedule and then it ended up changing. But try to find out what your schedule is. Maybe that is just needing you needing to send another email. And maybe you're, you feel like you're being annoying, but be kind, be patient. Everybody needs to show grace right now with every single person in your school building, with parents, administrators, superintendents, the office staff, every single person needs to show grace. Because as overwhelmed as you're feeling right now, everyone else is feeling it too. Everyone. And so when... When you're about to send that email, I don't ever respond. I get e- my inbox is flooded all the time with emails and my my direct messages on Instagram and I'm constantly responding and let me tell you, 9 out of 10 times the emails are great and kind and awesome and um nice and you know whatever or it's just questions coming to me and those are awesome and I I respond to those easily. But every once in a while you'll get that email or I will get that email, I can't speak for you, but I'll get that email or message that just kind of catches me off guard. And, you know, and I'm like, I want to be trigger happy and right away just respond and be like, listen up, this is what, you know, but what good is that going to serve anyone? I've had, I've had some, a couple friends I've reached out to, um, like colleagues that have kind of taught me down off the ledge and go, don't, don't respond. I'd be like, I got this. Should I respond? And like, no, 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 no. Give it, you know, give it an hour or two. Let the steam, you know, and sometimes it takes me a day or two to respond. But even that goes with emails I send as well that I'm initiating. And so I have to sometimes say, I ha- also will sometimes ask somebody to proof it and say, does this look okay? If I send this, how will, how will you receive this? 
And so the same goes for you. That was a big bunny trail, but let's get back on topic. The same goes for you. And what I'm getting at is if you are emailing to ask about your schedule and you're wondering where it is and you've been told it's going to be there by now and they're just still not giving it to you and you feel like you're stuck with when it comes to planning and figuring out what you're going to be doing with your kids because you don't have your schedule yet, then it's okay to ask again. It's okay to even go in person and ask again, whoever's creating the schedule for you. And, but what I want to say is you have to give it grace. Like I said, you give others grace. You have to be patient and you have to realize that there is a lot going on. So it could just be a situation where someone just forgot to send it your way. That's all it could be. It could be that that is on their agenda and you know how long your to-do list looks right now, that is the same for the office staff and the, your administrator at your school. Their to-do list is crazy. They will have unexpected meetings called that was not in their school day. They will have unexpected phone calls ringing off the hook or parents coming in to interrupt and ask questions or whatever else, all these CDC guidelines coming their way that they're having to review. And so, yes, your schedule is definitely a priority in getting the schedule out to all teachers. But maybe it's a little delayed because of a reason that's totally out of their control and out of your control. So let's talk about emailing them. Like I said, it's okay to send another email, a reminder email, but don't don't be rude. Do you think they're going to reply quicker if it's like a short email? What I mean by short is not like in length, but I mean, you're coming across short and rude. Or do you think they're going to want to respond to you if you're like, hey, I hope you're having a great day. I really know that you are under so much pressure right now. And there's so much on your to do list. And please let me know if there's anything I can do to help you out. But I just wanted to check real quick. If you have my schedule ready, you may have just forgotten. And if you did, no worries. But just can you send it my way whenever you get a chance? I know if I got an email like that, you better believe I would send them that email right back with their schedule right away. So just think about the way you're talking to others because I know right now it's so hard. You maybe have experienced some people coming across a little bit rude to you and just a little bit more on edge than normal. And the reason why is because everybody's stressed out. Everybody's overwhelmed and everybody's on edge right now. So why don't you be the one to step up and be kind and just be the bigger person, all right? And this was not a lecture to anyone. And this is just a general, like in my own experience, I've had to speak to myself about this too and talk myself off the ledge a couple times when it comes to <laughs> sending an email, okay? All right, so that's the first thing is, um, well, we already talked about knowing your schedule and that it won't look like anyone else's, even if they have a similar teaching situation as you. And then it's okay to ask again if you do not know what your schedule is yet, all right? And also know that it's coming. But what do you do if it still doesn't come? Well, make a contingency plan. Write down, make like a list on a piece of paper even and say, if I'm virtual teaching this, this I'm going to plan out my first week of school. If I'm going to be virtual teaching, this is what I'm going to do. If I'm going to teach on a cart, this, in person, this, simulcast teaching, this, and have like the same, and we're going to get into that in a minute, even deeper, but have the same topic or objective that you're going to be going over, but you're going to be presenting it in slightly different ways based on what teaching situation you find yourself in. Okay. So if you don't know your schedule yet, don't let that keep you stuck from moving forward. Make a little bit of a contingency plan and write down just some thoughts. It could just be bullet points of what you're going to do if that's where you find yourself teaching. All righty. 
I do think that once you get going and once you see your, you know, when you see your schedule on paper, even if, if it's a regular school year and you see your schedule on paper, it looks super confusing at first. You're, you know, you're, you're still having to work out the kinks of how soon do you need to stop your first class to get your second class in the door? How, you know, how, how many activities do you need to plan per class period? How long do you need to spend on different activities? Looking at it on a piece of paper is way different than when you get going. Then once you get going, you're kind of like, okay, I know, I know a little bit more of this schedule. What class is coming to me from which direction of the hallway? How often I need to do what activity? Which classes I need to review what with? All the ins and outs of it will make more sense once you get going. Well, the same goes for this school year. Your schedule might look like a hot mess. You may have been asked to teach simulcast teaching in in-person on Mondays and Wednesdays, but Tuesdays and Thursdays they're asking you to roll a cart to classrooms, and Friday they're asking you to do a combo platter of like 14 different things. And you're looking at it going, wait, what? How am I supposed to work this out? It is so confusing. But on paper, it is going to be confusing. And honestly, once you get going, it's going to probably be confusing. Let's be honest. Your first year teaching, and if you're listening to this, listening to this and you're going into your first year teaching, the advice I give to first year teachers is that, I mean, I don't know who told teachers that it's just going to be easy and good luck. Here's your degree. Go. But it's not going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to do it. It does not mean that you're not capable or qualified or that you don't have what it takes, but it's not going to be easy. So what do you do? Will you give yourself, just like I talked to you about giving others grace, give yourself grace. Know that even if you look at this schedule and you feel like you've like gotten a highlighter after it and you've kind of figured out what to do when and you know what days you're doing what and showing up to who and how and when and what technology and all the things, but that first week you get started and you're still kind of like walking around with a schedule, it's always in your hand because you're trying to figure out, do I need to show up online or in person or am I going to a classroom or whatever, that first week is not going to be easy. It's just going to be a matter of figuring it out. And you will, if you're not a first year teacher, you will probably feel like you're in your first year teaching again. It's going to be a lot of, you know, trial and error, getting going and figuring it out and saying, "Ooh, that didn't work. That did. I'm going to keep doing that. Okay, I need to, you know, not plan so much for that situation, but I can plan more for teaching here in this situation. So get going. Know that it's not going to be easy at first, but here's what I do know is the longer you do it, week two will be a little bit easier. Week three will come around and you're going to feel a little bit better and you're going to kind of know you maybe won't even need to walk around with that paper schedule as many times anymore. Week four, you're going to be like, all right, I kind of got this down now. I feel like I'm kind of getting it. And then week five and on and on, it's going to get easier and easier for you. So look at the schedule, kind of make a contingency plan if you don't know what your schedule is yet, but also know that when you're looking at your schedule It's going to look confusing on paper, but once you get in there and do it, it'll be hard week one, week two will be a little easier and so on and so forth. All righty. But know that once you get going, you're going to find what works and then you're going to be able to plan accordingly. All right. So here is some advice I want to give you to move forward. To make it easy on yourself, let's say that you find yourself in one teaching situation. Let's say that you are strictly virtually teaching this school year. 
One of the pieces of advice I've given a lot of teachers that I'm going to give on the podcast because I want to give you as quality of information as I can. Every time you listen, I want you to have some key takeaways that you can walk away from with each episode. But what I want to say is try maybe to do the same format each time. So if you're virtually teaching and you're trying to figure out maybe how to fill up 45 minutes of teaching virtually, which as you know, teaching virtually seems like it is a 45 minutes of teaching virtually versus 45 minutes of teaching in person is not the same. <laughs> teaching virtually for 45 minutes feels like it's three days, okay, on a, in a 45 minute class period. So what do you do? Well, try to do the same format each time. Like, for instance, maybe you're starting with a quick warm-up. Maybe it is something simple like a body percussion warm-up you're doing with your kiddos. Then you're going to go on to teaching them a song. If it's virtual, if you're teaching in person, you may not be able to sing, but we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, Then maybe you're doing an extension activity. Maybe you're telling them because you don't want them to stare at the screen the whole time. All right, what I want to do right now is I'm going to observe you, but I want you to stand up and practice what we just did or walk around the room to the steady beat, or I want you to go get some Tupperware from your kitchen and then come right back and we're going to play some rhythms together on these Tupperware together. And you're giving them some activities to do together. But they're still feeling like they're in, they're part of a class, even though it's all on computer. And then maybe you're doing some closing activity or something like that, or you're reading them a story and they're doing movement to it, whatever it might look like for you. But try to come up with some kind of format. Maybe you've already done this when you teach in person. So keep going with that. Are the kiddos going to wear masks? Maybe. Are they going to have to socially distance? Probably. Are you being asked to teach outside? Maybe. But whatever it is, try to come up with a format. And then you're just going to be able to plug and play different activities and lesson ideas into that format to make it easier on yourself. You don't need to totally reinvent the wheel. Come up with some plan and then try to do the same format each time. So then you're like, okay, I know I'm starting with a warm-up. What do I want to do with these kiddos? What would work well if I'm teaching virtually? And then you do that. Are you going to know if it works well until you try? Probably not. But let's say you try something, it does not go over well, then you're like, "Mm, I need to kind of reformat that a little bit. Okay, so that's the first thing is to have um, about formatting a lesson is to have kind of the same structure and flow each time. Does it mean you're going to be doing the same songs and activities each and every time? No, of course not. But what it means is if you have when you're looking at a crazy schedule, try to make things easier for yourself and have kind of the same format and lesson plan flow each time. And that's going to look different. Your format will look different for virtual teaching, for simulcast teaching, if you're pre-recording lessons, for teaching in person, teaching on a cart. But you can still have a, you know, have a format down and then you're going to be able to adapt it a little bit and change it up for each teaching situation too. All right. So here's the next thing I want you to do. Look at your curriculum map. There are 9 million out there. I'm not going to tell you which one to use. Do I offer curriculum maps? Of course I do. If you're in my Harmony membership, you know I provide one the minute you join. But whatever curriculum map you follow, whether it is a virtual curriculum map, there's so many amazing uh, virtual uh, resources out there and curriculum maps. I know Quaver has one, Music Play Online, insert any other one right there, and you can use what one the one that you found that you enjoy using. So look at your curriculum map, and what I want you to do is 
focus on teaching the concepts and the objectives. And don't worry if the type of teaching varies from virtual to teaching on a cart to in-person, okay? And you're like, wait, what? What did you just say? (laughs) Okay, so let's break this down. The very beginning of the school year is a lot on getting to know the kids, forming relationships, doing some name games and things like that. And then a lot of times you transition to steady beat. That is usually the foundational piece of the school year. You know, it's like the heartbeat of the base of like, I'm thinking of a cake. Steady beat is where like the cake is the very, very beginning layer. All right. So let's say you're starting with steady beat. And of course, you're going to focus on other things too, but I'm going to use this as an example. So if you're looking at steady beat, and then you have one of those schedules where you are being asked to teach multiple different ways, you say, okay, I need to teach steady beat, but I've been told my kids cannot sing in person, but I could probably do a little bit of teaching, singing, some singing with steady beat with my kids who are learning virtually because they're at their houses. But how am I going to do that? How can I teach steady beat in multiple different ways where some can sing and some can't? Well, you do what I just said. You do it in multiple different ways. You can come up with the same song, but present it in different ways. All right, so I'm going to use Sir Duke as an example, all right? So if you do not know the song Sir Duke by Duke Ellington, it just, uh, this is one I love to use because it's super fast and peppy and really fun and gets the kids moving. But it's just, if you do not know the song, I do not feel like singing right now. But basically, Sir Duke, what you could do is the kids who are learning virtually, you could have them sing the song while they're patting the steady beat, Okay, when you're teaching in person, whether it's in your classroom or whether you're rolling a cart to the teacher's classrooms, the regular teacher's classrooms is what I'm getting at. Um, general, I call them regular teachers. Wow, you guys know what I mean. Kinder or fifth grade teachers. There we go. I'm stumbling over my words. Sorry about that. What you're gonna do in there if you're not if the kids are not even allowed to sing at all, what could you do? And I've touched touched on this in previous episodes. Play the song have it on the smart board or bring it in and attach your phone to a speaker, a Bluetooth speaker. It doesn't matter how you play it, just as long as you play the song. Can the kids still pat the beat? Of course they can. Can they stand by their desks and walk to the beat? Uh-huh. Can you say, now I want you to find the steady beat however you want to do it? Yeah. Some will be walking, some can pat their heads, some can pat their hands on their desk or their chairs. It does not matter. So while you have some kids who are singing the song and then adding the steady beat to it, here you are rolling to a classroom instead of singing, they're listening to the song while they're feeling the steady beat. And of course, there's so many different other ways you can do this and so many other different um, ways you can present that lesson. But I'm huge on telling you to take lessons and take teaching and make them your own. You are never going to teach the same way as another teacher. You never have and you never will. So this school year, it doesn't matter what teaching situation you find yourself in. You will hear of some teachers doing 9 million different things with Steady B and you plan one or two activities. It does not matter. The main goal is for you to connect with your kiddos and for them to learn music. If they're doing that, then you are doing an amazing job. 
So you're focusing on not so much of, okay, we're going to do a little bit of singing and a little bit of instruments and a little bit of movement and a little bit of improvising and composing and rhythm writing and counting and everything else that you, you know, that goes into a typical elementary music school day. If that's how you've been planning, there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But for me, I've always liked to focus on the concepts, what objectives, what do I want my kids in second grade to really focus on and learn before they move up to third grade? What do I want them to learn? And if you're saying, what do I want them to learn when it comes to objectives, then you're not going to be stuck so much on my kiddos can't sing. Because you're going to say, okay, with Steady Beat, could I read them a story? Of course I could. Could they snap the Steady Beat while I'm reading the beat? Could they find the beat to this book as I read it like a poem? Of course they can. Can they move? Can they do body percussion? Could I add instruments if I'm disinfecting them? Probably. Could the kiddos, you know, wave to their partner instead of if they can't touch a partner this year, could they wave to a partner? Could they air high five a partner? Could, you know, there's so many different ways you can go about this. So you're looking at your curriculum map and each and every, whether you plan weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, by nine weeks, you're looking at what concepts and objectives you want your students to learn. Then you can look at how you're going to teach that concept with using technology. A lot of you teaching virtually will be using a lot of technology ideas, not just with teaching with technology, but directing your students to something like I I mentioned Quaver and directing your students to an activity with that where they can practice steady beat from their house. And we're going to get into that a little bit of how to simplify. Okay. So I want you to also be okay with not doing the same things in person that you're doing online. It will not necessarily look the same. It does not mean that your students at home are lacking at all because they're not doing the same things that the kiddos coming to an actual school building are doing. They are not, I don't ever want you to think, well, these students are falling behind, but the ones at school are not. And then when everybody's in in school again, in person, all together, I'm going to have to catch these kids up because they're way behind these other kids. There is no behind. There's no behind. I just want you to get that out of your head right now. I I started teaching at a school that hadn't had music in seven years. Do you know what? These kiddos, they weren't, yeah, of course, the fifth graders weren't on a fifth grade level when it came to music, but did they still learn music? Of course they did. It took me maybe one to two years to get the kids to where they should be when it came to the objectives on paper. But do you know what? I never let that stop me from teaching music. I still just taught music. I still had the kids experience music and learn music and love music and identify with music. It was never to me about the objective saying they should, air quote, be here. So let that go this year. Do not get stuck on that, all right? So you're not going to be doing the same things in person you're doing online. What does that mean? Well, in person, you're going to basically be teaching, I mean, kind of, (laughs) the same way you would any other school year. Yes, you may not be able to sing with the kids. It's going to be a lot more about connecting with students, SEL, and then also basically music appreciation is going to be huge this year. Like you would teach music appreciation to middle school and high school students, but you're going to be doing it on an elementary level. There's so many things you can do when it comes to listening to music, um, talking about music, having them, you know, explore music that doesn't necessarily have to be with singing. All right. Now, 
when it comes to teaching online, we've already talked about looking at your objectives and your curriculum map and identifying what concepts to teach. Well, if you're going back to Steady Beat, for some reason, I'm really focused on that today. But if you're talking about Steady Beat, how can you simplify your life? How can you make it where you're not creating four different lesson plans for all different teaching situations if they're asking you to do all the things? Well, could you, like I said, find some awesome curriculum online that is identifying steady beat and you're able to just simply have the students do that at home and say, go to this particular lesson in this particular online curriculum and do steady beat that way? Yeah, of course you could. Are your kids in person? Missing out at all because you're not doing that same activity with them? No, they're not. As long as you're, you're focusing on just moving forward, teaching your kids music and focusing on the concepts, let go of the rest. Let go of the expectations you're putting on yourself and stop being so hard on yourself and just focusing on moving forward and doing your best. Your best is all you can do, right? You, this is something you've never done before and you're doing amazing things. I mean, I am like, every time I go on the internet, whether it's to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever, I am so blown away by all the ideas I am seeing shared by music teachers everywhere. Creative, out of the, out of the box ideas. And not only that, the amazing way I see music teachers sharing their ideas with others, saying, hey, here's what I'm doing. This might be something you could do. Why don't you try this with your students? And it's something that I'm like blown away that music teachers are not letting each other stay on that music teacher island. You guys know that you find yourself on so many times, but they're truly, you are probably doing this as well. So I'm going to say not they, you are truly finding ways to help others and to share ideas with others. And that's how you grow. Have you ever noticed that by sharing ideas with others, it, it's always returned back to you? Someone will keep that in mind and go, you know what? They shared this lesson idea with me. So when I do this activity, I, you better believe I'm going to share it back right back with that teacher. So be um, those I- ideas I really want you to take w- with you, okay? The next thing I want to say is to really sit down and map out your schedule, we talked about that a little bit. You're given, okay, so once you're finally given the schedule, if you've been just kind of waiting and waiting, <laughs> sit down and look at it. Don't don't be confused by it and just be walking around like, you know, like, oh, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, where I'm supposed to be, when, this is so confusing. Really try to map it out a little bit ahead of time to try to wrap your brain around it. Maybe open up a Google Doc, make some columns. We talked about that earlier on a piece of paper. Maybe categorize it by days of the week or time slots you need to show up and where you need to show up when. Maybe grab a highlighter and you're highlighting uh, basically, oh, like let's use fourth grade. You're highlighting fourth grade and where you're supposed to be when showing up online or in person and highlight it. Maybe each grade level has their own highlighter or you're highlighting different time blocks with different colors. So however that looks like to you, don't just get your schedule and then the next day go, all right, I'm ready. No, sit down and really look at it. Think it through. What grade levels are you teaching back to back? How are you teaching these grade levels? How are you showing up to teach in person or online? And where are you expected to show up? If it's a you know Google class call, then you need to notify, no, not notify that, note that. If it's a Zoom call, note that down. If you're showing up, if you're needing to record some videos using Loom or um, Flipgrid or whatever else, note that down, all right? Then you'll be able to say, all right, they're wanting me to teach in person maybe 
this many hours a day. So these other hours where I'm still contracted to teach, I'm going to use those times to either plan or that's when I'm going to do my pre-recorded lessons that I'm supposed to send home with kids. You need to know your situation because your schedule is going to look different than everyone else. And this is another thing I've seen that really throws music teachers off is you're used to having a typical schedule where every day is pretty consistent. Maybe it goes fifth, third, kindergarten, first, second, fourth, or whatever. And now it's maybe not going to be that way. You might teach fifth grade from eight to 8.45 one day. And then on Tuesday, they're all the way, you're at a different fifth grade class from 2 to 2.45. It, it might not look the way it normally looks in a regular school year. So you need to map that out and really be aware of not just with you knowing the schedule, like knowing where to be when and how to map it out, but you got to mentally be prepared for it. If you know you're hopping from fifth grade to kindergarten, you got to mentally be prepared for that because you know the way you show up for your fifth graders is going to be different than you show up for your kindergartners, all right? Not only that, if you're hopping from fifth to kindergarten and fifth grade's in person and kindergarten's virtually, you need to be aware of that ahead of time as well because the way you teach in person and the energy you bring to your students is also going to look differently than how you show up with energy teaching virtually. Talking to a screen, as you know, is way different than being in person. You got to show up with even more energy, more smiles, more pep, especially with kindergartners, okay? So basically sit down and just wrap your head around your schedule ahead of time. Do not wait for the very last minute, for the very first day of school to come and then be like, wait, what am I doing? Really look at it. And if you're one of those waiting for your schedule, then go back to that contingency plan. Say, maybe it's going to look like this, this, this. Make yourself some mock schedules and say, what if, it, what if it looks like this? What will I do? If it looks like this, what would I do? And that way, when you're given your actual schedule, you're not completely caught off guard and like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. You're kind of, you kind of have an idea of what it might look like and what you might do. And then it's not as overwhelming. All right. I want to also say, don't get so wrapped up in doing everything perfectly that you forget to focus on teaching the kids and meeting them where they're at. You might right now just be so focused on lesson planning, technology, going over your schedule like we just talked about. But in the process of that, don't forget that you're teaching real humans, real kids who have been through some major trauma the last five to six months, who have really been struggling with keeping up with their schoolwork and their parents are working maybe still from home or maybe they're back to work in an actual building and they're having a hard time helping their kids learn virtually because their time is just split into a hundred different directions. So that goes back to the giving grace, not just to people in your school building, but also to your students and also to their parents. I mean, I can speak from the parent side of things. Trust me, it is very overwhelming and stressful but we are making it work. And you guys need to understand that with your families, you of course focus on teaching, of course focus on how to present the lessons and how to teach, but also focus on meeting your students where they're at. They're gonna wanna talk to you and reconnect with you. They're gonna wanna tell you about their summer or the weirdest summer ever. They're gonna wanna tell you about you know what they had for dinner. They're just gonna wanna talk to you and connect with you. So when it comes to planning that first week of school, you need to leave some wiggle room in there to know that these kids are gonna wanna talk to you and connect with you. So maybe you have 20 minutes that you plan nothing because you know that you're just gonna connect with your kids and you're really gonna talk to them, whether it's virtually or in person. Leave time 
and some space and some wiggle room to really get to know your kids. All right. I also want to say that sitting at a computer all day is very hard. So try to provide extension and practice ideas for kids to do at home on their own, where they're not just staring at a screen. Kids at home everywhere right now who have already started school are crying and frustrated and overwhelmed. And they're having to keep up with their own schedule of when do I need to log in, where and what time and which technology platform. It's overwhelming. And so I don't know if you have sat in professional development for eight straight hours at a computer staring at a screen. It's hard. It's really hard. And yes, kids get lunch breaks and things like that, but it's really hard. So keep that in mind when you are planning. Don't just plan a straight 45 minutes of technology activities where they're sitting and watching you teach. They're not, you're going to lose them. I'm just being honest. They're not going to be able to do that. So have some stuff planned where they get the kids up and moving, where maybe they're still watching you, but they're getting up, they're moving. They're not just sitting in a chair anymore. Get them up, move around, ask them to go, you know, like I said earlier, get some Tupperware from the kitchen or whatever it might look like, but get the kids moving, get them moving around. All right. And then the last thing I want to say is what happens if you're asked to combine grade levels? So what I mean by that is maybe they're like, Okay, I want you to lump all kindergarten through second into one lesson, and then you're going to teach just third to fifth grade in this lesson. And you're like, wait, what? How am I supposed to do that? It goes back to just remembering you're teaching music. There is no behind. The main focus of this school year is to connect with your students, be there for them emotionally with music. But I do want to give some ideas for that, all right? So let's say, let's focus on kindergarten, first and second grade. Let's say that they have asked you to just teach one lesson each week to just kindergarten through second or twice a week or whatever it might be. So what you do is, let's say you teach one song, then you can say something like, okay, first graders, now you can also do this other activity as well before the next video and second grade also do this. So just tell them, say, We all did this song together, but first graders, guess what? You can also do this. And second graders, you maybe even learned this song with me last year. So what I want you to do with this song is to also go ahead and practice this extension activity at home. Or also, guess what? There's this other song, second grade, I want you to look up on your own, or not look up, that might might be bad. Don't just send them to Google. (laughs) Here's this other song I included in the chat box or in the Google Classroom that I want you to access as well that goes right along with the song we did today that I want you to listen to it and do on your own. Will they all do it? No. Do you need to let that go? Yes. Do you need to focus on just showing up and teaching your students? Of course. Okay, so teach one song to all of them. If you've just been asked to lump three different grade levels into one lesson, teach one song, then say, kindergartners, um, I want you to just sing this song. First graders, I want you to sing the song and do this. Second grade, I want you to sing the song, Path to Steady B and do the rhythm or something like that. I know that was very, very vague. So sorry about that. (laughs) The next thing I want to say is rotate different songs for kindergarten through second grade each week. What I mean by that is your first and second graders will be doing lots of review, but give them extension activities they can do at home like I just said. So what I mean by rotate different songs is maybe week one, you're doing a song you would normally do with kindergartners. Week two, you're doing a song you would do with first graders, but kindergartners can definitely still sing it. And who cares if in a typical school year, they were not going to actually be singing that song. And then week three, 
do a song with second that you would do with second graders, but you're also teaching it to kindergarten and first grade. Remember, the goal here is just to teach music. And if you're being asked to teach a crazy situation that is totally not typically what you'd be doing, you can't just focus on the fact that it's not fair and I don't like this and and I'm not going to do this and my second graders are going to be so behind when they go in third grade because I'm teaching them kindergarten songs. No, you can still teach them. You still provide them extension activities to do at home. Give them extra songs they can do at home. Provide extra opportunities for learning at home. When we talked about that, those online curriculum resources, provide extra ways for them to still explore that. Remember, let's go back to it, that objective or that topic. So you're teaching. Maybe they've been asked you, your administrator asked you to teach one lesson for all K through second, but you can in, in the Google Classroom say, First grade also do this. We all did this together, but first grade also do this. And second grade, I also want you to do this. All right? All you can do is provide the opportunity. If your students are not doing those opportunities and you're not really being able to see them engaging in those learning opportunities, are you still providing a way for them to do it? Yes. Are you connecting with the students who do show up for you? Of course you are. Do you, Can you focus on the things you can't control? No. You can only focus on what you can control. And what you can control is by providing ways of your students learning music. So the next thing I want to say is, remember, the main goal, like I just said, is to make music. Provide songs, activities, websites, books, and movement activities that are great for all ages. And then rotate different activities to keep the kids engaged. Come up with different ways of presenting music each time so it doesn't look the same. We talked about following a similar format, but plugging in different activities into that format each time. While teaching, ask engagement questions related at particular grade levels to make sure they're paying attention, right? Or let's say that it's a, an objective that only is for second graders and ask the second graders who were at your call to say, hey, why don't we talk about tempo? Tell me what the tempo of this song was. And then the first graders and kindergartners will still be learning the word tempo. So guess what? When they are up a grade, the first graders come into second grade, they're going to be like, I remember you talking about tempo last year. And then they're going to be ready for it. So, I mean, think of the positives coming out of this. Um, and then also after teaching, like, let's say kindergarten, a song, that song was have first and second grade, maybe do a body percussion activity with you. And kindergartners can keep patting the steady beat while first and second grade are doing some kind of body percussion activity as well. Just think outside the box. Think of different ways of presenting these lessons if you are having to combine them, okay? Keep it simple. Let go of what you can't control. You won't get through all of your regular teaching content and your kiddos will not fall behind. And then give yourself lots of grace and just keep moving forward. The goal this year with whatever your schedule looks like, whatever crazy schedule that it's put in front of you and they're just like, all right, here it is. Good luck. Have fun. Teach your kids music. And you're like, wait, what? This is insane. (laughs) You have to just focus on the main goal, which is showing up for your students, letting go of what you can't control, giving yourself and others grace. And when you do those things and you take a deep breath and you don't focus on the overwhelm, you don't focus on the being stressed out part, you will find yourself moving forward this school year. So if you've loved this episode, I would love for you to share it with your friends. Tag me on Instagram at Jessica Peresta, P-E-R-E-S-T-A. 
email me at jessica at the domestic musician.com and let me know what you think. And I have loved coming on here today. And next week, we have an amazing guest joining me for the podcast. So I would love for you to show back up and listen for that. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you soon. Well, hey there, thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.